we won't work with a seller without an exclusive right to represent, but we'll work with a buyer on a call me up and I'll meet you at the house. Like, what are we doing here? What are you still mean people at the house? Like a buyer calls you, they want to see the house. You're not doing your job if you go meet them in the house, but they want to meet at the house. I don't give a damn. If so, if I'm a doctor and someone calls me up and says, I'm having a heart attack. All right, well, come on in. Let's go to me at the emergency room. Well, I want you to come to my house to treat me. I'm not going to treat you at your house. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 319 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. And if you haven't guessed, yep, he's back. Joe Rand is going to do a regular episode of the podcast. Um, We did 20 episodes of Ranting and Raving last summer. Had a lot of fun with that. But with some of the things happening in the world today of real estate, I thought I'd bring Joe back, get his take, as only Joe can do it. Um, I'm not going to do any interview of Joe up front about his background. I've done that before. The link to that episode is also in the show notes. Just let you know quickly, a law degree from Georgetown, a JD from Stanford. He taught at Fordham. He works with Howard Hanna Rand Realty in Westchester County. It's a family-owned business they've had for decades. He's one of the smartest guys I know in real estate. In fact, he might be the smartest guy I know in real estate. So who else but Joe to come on here and chat about some of these topics. So let's get this thing started. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bill. How are you, man? Good to see you. I'm doing... I'm doing great. I'm I'm so excited to to get you back on the screen. We can see each other while we record this audio only podcast. And um, fired up to chat with you. There's some things happening in the world of real estate that I thought who could I who could I get some who could I get some knowledge about this? So who's the guy that knows what's going on? Who's the guy that'll so be you, honest? So you, called, so you called a bunch of people. We called Rob Hahn. He wasn't right. available. You called uh, right. you know went down the list yeah. of all the various right. you know doers. But at some point, I returned your call because I. I like you, Bill. So I, I took, uh, I took an interest in doing this. So I appreciate being, I was on the list. I wasn't the top of the list, but I'm on the list, which is something, you know? Yeah. So for those of you who, who've missed Joe's first episode, we have a traditional episode with Joe Rand where I, I do my thing and find out about how Joe got started in the business and what he did as a kid and all that great stuff. <laughs> that ain't going to happen here. <laughs> that link will be in yeah, the show that notes. Was, that, was a fun, that was a couple of years ago. That was, yeah. and actually what was very flattering about that was that the reason you, that was before we knew each other. That's how we got to know each other right. was on that podcast. And the only reason you knew who I was was because somebody had come on the podcast and said nice things about my book. And then you said, Oh, I got to interview this guy. And then we interviewed and then we hit it off. And, you know, and I, and I was lucky enough to be on, uh, what I think of is the Bill Sessions podcast, although I know it's not your name. Your name is Bill Risser, but it's the Sessions, the Real Estate Sessions. And I was right. on that once, but then last year we then did something fun, which was me being my alter ego <laughs> for, I guess, about 12 weeks, 14 weeks. I forget how many weeks we did it. Look, there's 20 episodes sitting there's out 20. there. I have, okay. I, have, I have a playlist uh, in my on the podcast <laughs> website. You can go get all 20 Randing and Ravings with Joe Rand. And it's Randing uh, and Ravings, which the theme yeah. was you would ask me, you would play, uh, you would get questions from the public mm-hmm. and they would uh, give me a question. 
uh, an audio question and I would just, I would not know what it is in advance. I would not be prepared for it. I would just have to spontaneously respond. And the idea was, as you initially pitched that to me, was that whenever I do a podcast, I'm pretty good for about half an hour to 40 minutes. And then I get tired and then I start just getting a little nuts because my medication wears off. And that's the, you're like, I just want you in the post-medication phase to the part where you start to lose right. control of yourself. Right. I, this happens on stage. You, you know, you speak a lot around the country and it happens on stage. Yeah. And it's my favorite part sitting in the audience going, oh, I can see it coming. I see it's happening. It He's going to go off on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I do. So, I get bored with myself. I get bored. I'm like, you know, I got to liven this thing up. Um, the uh, Yeah, I've had fun with all that. So we had fun with that last summer. That was a great thing. I certainly, for anybody who never heard it, to go back and look for them because they, I think they hold up. I mean, they're, I think all the issues we talked about are still issues that are relevant. I mean, for example, you still, I think most people have a burning question as to whether they would rather fight a uh, hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck, which is one of the questions we answered. And what you should do if you, you know, if you steal stuff from a supermarket, that was another good one. Yeah, uh, yeah. and plus some real estate stuff that we covered. Right. But uh, but now we want to uh, we want to actually have a serious because the yeah. real estate session is a serious podcast. It is well, some, so it's, a, it's I mean I know you have experience with it. Yeah, yeah, well, you're semi-serious, but semi-serious. like, I mean, it's like, it's, it's a real substantive podcast. Yes. None it, of my normal BS. None of my, I'm going to try well, to play the straight answer question and, and see what you have to say and see if I can help out people and give them some insight into what's going on. Not so fast. Industry. Not so fast. <laughs> I've got some, I've got okay, some emails right. still hanging around. So I thought, even though it's, we're part of the real estate sessions, I'm going to throw you, uh, an audio question, and it, it was one of the topics I wanted to cover, anyways. So I think it works out perfectly. What do you think? You are you up for it? That's good. listen. You want to keep the format? Let's. We're doing sort of a sort of a crossover episode. A mashup. Uh, the, the kids call it mashup. Yeah. Mashup. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let me- crossover. I'm, I'm going back to like the 1970s when when uh, you know they would do a they would they would someone from Friends would show up on Seinfeld or something. Yeah, okay, go. let's good. go. Right. I'm going to play. Let's go. Let's get let's get the audio question. Here playing. you go. G'day, mate. Willie here from Melbourne. I'm a big fan, and I reckon you've got an opinion over this back and about between NAR and the DOJ over a policy that's been around for years. So I'm hoping you wouldn't mind giving us your take. I really like your show. And that Rissa guy, he's absolutely amazing. Cheers. That is shameful. Shameful, Rissa. Risser, what are you talking you know, about? Just so, just so you couldn't pick up on this, Risser, who's been, you know, when we when we stopped doing, uh, you know, when we stopped doing the uh, ranting and raving, I guess people stopped leaving messages, so he didn't have any voicemails. So he made himself a voicemail, I, faking his voice with an Australian accent that he got because he hangs out all this time with all these Aussies from Rate My Agent. But he still hasn't picked up a decent accent. I mean, that is horrible. That is bad. That is a that is not that's clearly you, you know, teeing me up to talk about all the stuff that's going on with the NAR lawsuits and the and the Department of Justice. It's a fine question, Bill. I'm just amazed that that you had to resort to that kind of shamefulness to to incorporate an audio message that you made for yourself. Counselor, right, counselor just, I, I plead the fifth. 
You don't want to incriminate yourself. I respect that. Well, despite the fraudulent nature of that voicemail, you know, Bill, you trying to fake your your listeners, and, uh, you know, and m- mislead them into thinking that people are still calling the ranting and raving line, even though we both know the only people that called in was your buddy from from Arizona and a bunch of Russian bots. Besides that, besides the fact that it's not, it's a good question. It's a really good question because what it does is um, uh, it tees up, you know, basically I think what's the really been a very big um, issue. Um, and let's separate into two issues because there's sort of two things going on with all the lawsuits and the antitrust and the whole thing. And it's that one of them is clear cooperation. The other one's the seller paid buyer agent commission. So let's start with this. Let's start with the latter one first. So the seller paid buyer agent commission. There is obviously a lot of, uh, there's a lot of concern and suspicion that both the DOJ and as these lawsuits against NAR wind their way through the courts, that there is some threat to the system by which sellers pay a commission to the buyer agents and the buyer agents don't have to pay their buyer agents, that it gets rolled into the purchase of the home. Now, just on a fundamental level, I want to explain why I think that the whole thing is nonsense. Um, and, you know, that the people that think, oh, there, this really is a bad thing and that it raises prices and all that kind of stuff, to me, I, I think is is self-motivated reasoning from people that just want to blow up the real estate industry or, or um, uh, have their own business model that they're trying to, you know, play up. Um, and that is this. The, the system works. The system works very well. And the reason the system works is because when you're working with a buyer agent, that buyer agent, because of the, because the, there's an offer of cooperation out from the seller, which is usually a unilateral offer of compensation, that buyer agent can show you anything that's in the market. It's not like buying anything else. It's not like buying a car, or if you want to buy a car, you have to go to 15 different lots. If we didn't have cooperation, you'd have to go to 15 different brokers because every broker would have only their own properties to show you. Instead, you go to one agent, that agent represents you as your fiduciary, and they can show you anything in the market, and you don't have to come out of pocket for that service at all, and it's all contingent that if you don't buy something, you pay nothing. Like, it's not a bad deal for the buyers. This idea that, like, everyone's getting screwed by the system, the buyers get a really good service out of it. Um, And the sellers get a good service because they basically pay one commission, and the commission covers the entire transaction, and that essentially gets rolled into the price anyway. You know, the, the, the idea that the seller pays the commission, it's paid out of the proceeds of the sale. So the money is really coming from the buyer. The buyer gives the money to the seller. The seller takes a piece of it. And gives it to the um, uh, and gives it to the agents, including the buyer agent. And the best part about it is that the buyer pays it off for thirty years. They don't have to pay for it um, uh, up front. They don't have to come out of pocket for it. They don't have to worry about it, you know, degrading from their down payment or anything like that. It's a good system. It works really well. Prices have done very well in the United States. Real estate has done very well in the United States under this system. And But there's people that are concerned about it, and I understand the concerns. The concern is that, well, this, the buyer ends up hiring a buyer agent but doesn't have any ability to be able to negotiate their fee with that buyer agent because the fee is set by the seller, uh, by, the, by the seller and the listing agent by the offer of compensation. And that is partly true, 
but also partly like nonsense because like there are brokers, including Redfin, that says to you as a buyer agent, we will rebate to you what we get as a buyer commission, which means that the buy side is negotiable. You can negotiate the buy side. If you want to go to a buyer agent and say, listen, you know, I don't, I, if, if you get offer of compensation that's more than 2%, I want to get whatever's above 2% or above 1.5 or above three or whatever the prevailing commission rate is. I don't want to get onto antitrust problems because of this dumb podcast. So whatever the number is, that's the number. Anything above that number, you rebate back to me or you rebate back to me a hard number. You rebate back to me $2,500 regardless of whether it is. That's all negotiable. That's all there. This idea that buyer agents can't negotiate is nonsense. And then flip it around. It's really crazy, this idea that, well, this cartel of the real estate industry keeps commissions high because sellers have to pay two sides. They're paying the list side. They're paying the buy side. And they don't have the ability to negotiate the commission. Bill, I mean, there is nothing more negotiable than a real estate commission. I mean, my God. I mean, they're all over the place. You know, they're, I, I can't turn on the TV. I can't turn on CNN without seeing an ad for Ideal Agent or Homelight or any of these companies that basically promote the idea that you're going to be able to get a discount from your listing agent. Now, what they're doing, of course, is they're inter- interjecting themselves and pretending that they're going to connect you to an agent. They just take a referral fee and they force the agent to take a discount to commission, which, you know, that business model is uh, itself pretty, pretty uh, objectionable from my perspective. But the, the larger point is that, yeah, everything's negotiable. There are tons of discount companies out there. You know, the guy from Rex, Jack Ryan, he's always talking about how the cartel is restricting his business. You know what's restricting his business? His business model. His business model, he says, I'm going to charge you less, but all he's charging is the list side. He doesn't pay a buy side, so he's not getting the biggest exposure. He's not getting buyer agents who, you know, buyer agents don't want to work for nothing. Um so, and the buyer agents are not very good at negotiating with their buyers right now to get a buyer side commission. So, you know, he's saying, well, they're holding me back, but he's out there with millions of dollars of advertising to advertise his 2% commission, as are a bunch of other people. Like, everyone knows they can negotiate the commission, you know, and if you don't want to offer a buy side, and that's the other piece about it, is the other piece about it is this argument that, well, it's compulsory that if you want to be an MLS, you have to offer a buy side. Yeah, you could offer 50 cents. They don't say what the number is. Nor is so dumb about so many things. And one of the things they're dumb about is why not just get rid of this idea? Why don't the MLSs just get rid of the idea that you have to offer a buy-side commission? Just eliminate it as a, that you have to make an offer of compensation as a requirement and you get rid of a lot of these concerns. And right now you effectively have that. You have the worst of all worlds. People do take listings, put them on MLS and put them out for 50 cents but at the same time, you're getting all the regulatory and legal scrutiny because you are saying that they have to make an offer of compensation. Well, they have to offer a penny. They can offer anything. So it's all stupid. It's all dumb. Basically, the system works really well. Houses sell for exactly what they're worth. It's a perfectly transparent and fluid market. And what makes it work is that there is someone working for the buy side. There's someone who works for the list side. Someone works for the buy side. It's an adversarial system, which every lawyer understands that the adversarial system is the best way to elicit the truth in legal proceedings. But then they immediately say, well, you know, they don't need it in real estate sales, which is ridiculous. 
Now, I, I realize you may have a follow-up, Bill, and I've been talking for about 47 minutes uninterrupted, <laughs> so I will let you Wow. <laughs> I, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to take a breath, Bill, and let you come in with uh, with a follow up or a comment. Joe, I love you. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to be straight up honest. <laughs> that is that's amazing. Um, I guarantee my mom you, and my wife, nobody else. Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee you that no other podcast that doesn't have you on it. Got that kind of excitement and energy and honesty on this. What is you know going to be a massive, um, a massive change in the business if if the if the decision goes a certain way? So let's talk about. Let's say it does. Cooperation goes away. Um, yeah. Do lenders then get involved heavily and start trying to roll the buyer's fee to the agent into the loan? And that we were in escrow. We're paying out a <laughs> commission from the proceeds of the loan. Something like that. I mean, how, how will this work? Because most people can't pay the buyer's agent. All right. That's a good question. And let's actually let's actually look at this from the larger kind of the, the let's take a step back. Because the mm-hmm. first thing I want, the, my, everything I've said so far was basically me saying why I can't understand why people think that getting rid of the seller paid buy side would be a good thing. And why, you know, why I think that these arguments against that, that the antitrust institute is putting out and that the um, that they're, the plaintiffs are, I understand why the plaintiffs are putting out. They're trying to make money. They're trying to, it's a class action lawsuit. They're trying, the lawyers sure. are trying to make money. I get that. Uh, I don't understand the DOJ's perspective on this as much, uh, or the antitrust division's uh, position on this as much. I spoke at an ant, uh, American ant, ant, American antitrust institute, something like that. I spoke there about a year ago and I was with the Jack Ryan guy from Rex who got to speak for like an hour and rail against the real estate industry. And then they gave like 20 minutes to me and James Wiggins from next home to give the pro. It was very, very much not an equal time type thing uh, because the, the American antitrust Institute obviously thinks, you know, they see antitrust everywhere they look. Um, and so they thought there's an antitrust issue. I don't buy any of that. I, don't, I just think that I, I think all that stuff, you know, I can't get three brokers to agree to do anything. The idea that we're acting as a cartel is amazing to me if you actually knew anything about how brokers work with each other. But so anyway, that's why I think it's nonsense. But there is absolutely a real possibility that the seller paid buy side could go away. All right. What do we do if that happens? Do I think that's likely? No. Do I think it's possible? Yes. I would put it within the next three to five years of something disruptive happening to the buy side commission at about 20 to 25%, which is a lot higher than I had it a year ago. It's not as high as Rob Hahn has it. Rob has it about 105% likely that's going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. And there's other people who are, and I love Rob, and, but Rob has a very, he's a, he has a very pessimistic view of, of this whole process and, and how uh, it's going to play out. My, I think it's possible. And the fact that it's possible, the fact that there's even a non-zero chance, even if you peg it at 5%, it is such a disruptive avenue. It is such a. It would be such a disruptive event if they got rid of the seller paid buy side commission. That it is absolutely something that every real estate broker in the country should be preparing for, and that I don't see enough of that happening right now. I've been speaking. About, I spoke about it at uh, Inman at a virtual session I did uh, last month. Um, I've been 
you know, talking about it when I, you know, on podcasts like this, or when I talk to people that we need to be prepared for the possibility. If I were to say to a broker, all right, let's say tomorrow you can no longer get paid your buy side commission by the seller. You have to get the buyer to pay it. Are you prepared to be able to do that? And nobody's prepared to do that. And if we want buyers to pay it, a couple of things we, I think have to happen. Number one, we need, we should right now start institutionalizing buyer side uh, representation agreements. Like we should, why don't we have buy side representation agreements? Why we won't work with a seller without an exclusive right to represent, but we'll work with a buyer on a call me up and I'll meet you at the house. Like, what are we doing here? What do you right. still mean people at the house? Like a buyer calls you, they want to see the house. You're not doing your job if you go meet them in the house, but they want to meet at the house. I don't give a damn. If so, if I'm a doctor and someone calls me up and says, I'm having a heart attack. All right, well, come on in. Let's go to me at the emergency room. Well, I want you to come to my house to treat me. I'm not going to treat you at your house. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing you a service. If I'm going to visit you, I have to be where the equipment is. I have to like, like you're a buyer agent. You need to know whether they can afford that house because you're wasting their time and yours if you go see a house and you haven't pre-qualified that buyer for that house. You got to know a little bit about what they like. You know, maybe they want to see that house. They they don't even know that the house is under, you know, a bunch of high wires and, you're, and you know, they're not going to like it when they see it. Um, or, you know, they're asking you a question. You're like, well, I don't know if there's going to be a house for you or there's three other houses just like it. So you're like, we should really go see four houses if we're going to go see one, whatever. That's your job. This is what you do. And you're not doing your job if you just say, oh, yeah, yeah let me drive over. I'll meet you at the front step. I, and, and the reason they do it, they're so insecure, these agents. They're like, well, I might lose the buyer. No, you're not losing a buyer. They're not a buyer yet. They're just a schmuck on the phone calling you up to say they want to see a house. They're not a buyer yet until they get pre-qualified. Who? They're nobody. Well, they don't want to meet me. They want, they want me to meet me. They're not willing to come to my office. All right. I'm fine. They're not willing, they don't, they tell them to go F off. I'm sorry, I don't do that. Well, why don't you? Well, because quite honestly, it's really not safe for me to meet you at somebody's house. It's not safe for them. It's not safe for me. I don't know who you are. You could be a crazy person. Well, but I'm not, but I really just want to see this one house. All right, so come, let's meet at a Starbucks and we'll drive right over from the Starbucks. Like, you got to see them before. Like, so in other words, we don't do anything for buyers. For sellers, we have a listing presentation and we have materials and we go in and we show up on time and we've got our stuff and we knock and we smile and we walk in and we sit at the living room and we've got a CMA ready. We spend two hours preparing and we go in and we've got scripts and dialogues and we have a contract and we go over the contract and it says pay the commission and the whole bit. And then we walk out and we have a listing and we're like, woo, got a listing. There is nothing equivalent on the buy side. On the buy side, it's like, you're insecure to the moment that you get into contract because that buyer, you never lock them into working with you. Why? Why is that, Bill? Bill, I'm going to tell you. I, you know, Joe, I, I don't know. I, I, I know. All I know is all I know is you're sitting in a chair and you can't pace and it's driving you nuts. <laughs> you can see me. They can't see me. Bill, you always want to talk about what you see. They can't see me. They don't know. They don't know okay. that I'm shirtless. They don't know that I'm shirtless and hanging out here with you right now. They can't tell that. Yeah. They don't, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everybody doesn't get that image in their head, I'm not sure. I'm wearing a very, very yeah. nice blue shirt. Um, all, right. all right. So let's go back to it. So here's the thing. 
we should treat buyers the same way we treat sellers with the same level of respect and professionalism and the same level of attention and the same level of expectation. Like you won't take a seller. You won't list work with a seller unless that seller signs an exclusive right to right to sell. Why would you work with a buyer unless that buyer signs an exclusive right to represent? Now I could see making some changes in an exclusive right to represent that are different from the exclusive right to sell to acknowledge the fact that buyers, sometimes they want the freedom to, if they see a FISBO on their own or something like that, whatever, or, you know, there are some properties that are not on MLS. So, you know, you know, you got to leave some accommodations. And of course we make some accommodations for the fact that it's not yet, it's not yet um, a standard to get exclusive buyer representation agreements done. I, I guess certainly not in most parts of the country. So you make allowances. Like we have an exclusive buyer representation agreement in our company and it's terminable at will. It's not like our exclusive right to sell, which is good for nine months. You can't break it for nine months. The exclusive buyer, it you can terminate it after a day. And a lot of my agents get it signed. They say it only applies to what we see today. And so they get an exclusive representation for what they show for that day. So they're protected for that day. And that to me is a fine, like incremental step forward. But the reason we don't do that for buyers, I think, is simply that buyer agency is still in relative infancy. We've only had buyer agency in New York since like the 19, early 1990s, I think. And there are parts of the country where, you know, everybody worked for the seller until relatively recently. There was no independent buyer representation, fiduciary representation of the buyers. They were all sub agents or whatever the case may be. And I look back and I say, well, you know, if you go back to the 40s, you would see that there were lots of listings that were taken that were open listings or there were exclusive agency listings or were non-exclusive representational listings. And I think the point is that it took a while for the industry to get around to the idea that you really shouldn't work with the seller unless you have exclusive right to sell because, you know, how many times did they get burned? You know, they put the sign up, it's exclusive agency, um, and then the person... Uh, sees the sign and then goes direct to the to the seller instead of going to the agent. You know that's why you don't do ex- that's why you don't do non exclusive right to sell because it's too easy for the buyer to then communicate directly with the seller and cut you out. So you got to get the exclusive right to represent, which gives you a commission regardless of who buys the home. Well, I mean, I think that what we have here is we just don't have a, the buyer agency industry hasn't grown up, it hasn't evolved, it hasn't matured yet. That people treat it the way they do sellers, uh, the way they do listings. And and to me, that's a real flaw. Bill, that's like a real, that's a real mistake that we don't treat buyers with the same level of professionalism, that we have that whole song and dance listing presentation. And there's no equivalent for the buyer presentation. There's no like, here's what you do in a buyer presentation. Here's how to make a good buyer presentation. There are some people that do it. There are, I mean, it's it's not like it's, I'm not saying something that has never been said in the industry before, but I do think that it it is something that is still not prevalent in the industry. So not having that in place uh, really is <laughs> pushes that the the solution to you know if the decision goes the 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 way that we're talking about yeah, potentially you you you've got so far to go. If you just had that same kind of action and treatment for the buyer would be, it's an easy next step it's to figure step. out. If we yeah. get within the next three years, if we start to create a situation where it became standard to do an exclusive right to represent with a commission obligation that you see, because our commission obligation on the buy side, like our buyer representation agreement at Howard Hanna Rand Realty, mm-hmm. it says we will, you know, any commission obligation you have will be 
offset by whatever the seller offers us. So the seller mm-hmm. offers us less than what we're supposed to get under the agreement. If they theoretically offer 2% and we have an agreement with the buyer at two and a half, we only collect half a percent from the buyer. And to be honest, we mostly end up waiving that because as long as the seller offers us a reasonable commission on the buy side, we'll just take it. We won't try to get the buyer out of pocket. But the right. point is it's there to protect against a situation where the buyer does end up buying a FISBO or the buyer, you know, that's what you want to have it in. And if you have that and you've got it in place, well, then the transition to, well, the seller's not offering compensation anymore is just to now the agreement's there. If the seller offers us compensation, which is will still happen, even in the environment that you talk about, there will yeah. still be people, sellers that will offer compensation to the buy side, even though they're not required to. All right. Yeah. Um, so, but the idea would be that, well, since I'm not getting paid by the list side, then the buyer's going to have to pay it up. Now, if that were to happen, you have the agreement in place now. So now you're a little bit more protected. And then there's lots of creative ways to roll that, that buyer commission into the deal. I mean, you can literally make it a condition of the sale. There's some ethical issues that NAR has put out, which are stupid, more stupid NAR stuff about that you can't do that. But like, I think that you would deal with it. And as long as it's permissive from everybody and nobody has a problem with it, the idea that you say, well, this 490 offer is contingent on the seller covering the buyer's compensation uh, obligation. Um, and and that's just the easy way. And that's not getting into the idea of what you said, which is that yeah. well, maybe the maybe the lenders, like they build into their models that they'll offer you this much money because um, they need a, some of it to go to a buy, to pay a buy side commission to work for the work that the realtor did. That's possible as well. Um, but at the very least, we need those buyer agreements done. And if we got the buyer agreements, then we have a little bit of protection in the event that they, in other words, it's like now we've got a, we've got redundancy. We're getting paid by the list side, but we also have an, a right to get paid by the buy side if the list side doesn't pay us. And then all of a sudden the trap door falls, but we've already got a secondary source of, we got the redundancy. So we already have a platform to get paid. So that's easy. Now, the other thing I think we need to do Besides professionalizing our relationship with buyers and getting buyer representation agreements done, um, is I think that the industry generally, and even if this doesn't happen, if the if the whole industry doesn't implode and the buyer side commission still gets paid by the seller, even if like nothing really changes, I think we still need to do this anyway, which is we need to find a better way as an industry of demonstrating and documenting the work that we do. And we don't do that very well. There is, I don't know why, but the industry has has coalesced around a couple of narratives that are so self-destructive. One of them, and I've heard people talking about this recently, and I've been talking about it for a long time, is the idea that, you know, our job is to make the 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 real estate transaction easy. Like, oh, you want a seamless, more efficient real estate transaction? Work with me. I'll make it a dream. It'll be, it's such a stupid promise to make because first of all, you can't promise that and you end up breaking the promise because every real estate transaction has a certain amount of messiness to it. But the other part about it is that like what you really want to sell is the idea that buying or selling a house is a freaking nightmare, Bill. It is horrible. It is, it is, there are pitfalls and there are trapdoors and there are a million things that can go wrong. 
And if you're not in the right hands, you could it could be a disaster for you. Like this is this is unbelievable. Do you think that like doctors, oncologists, when they advertise, they're like, hey, you know what? Cancer's not a big deal. You know, don't worry about cancer so much. Work with me and I'm gonna make sure cancer's not a problem. No, they don't do that. Cancer's horrible. Horrible. You know, they don't they, lawyers when they advertise for slip and fall stuff, they make it sound like, oh, those those defense, those uh, insurance companies, they got big attorneys working for them. You need someone working for you. Why don't we advertise that way? Why don't we promote the fact that buying a home, you're going to go buy a home, you're going to work directly with the listing agent? You're going to work directly with that shark? Oh, they're going to take you for everything that you own. You need someone to represent you when you buy a house. Because everybody now is going to the listing agent and they think they can save some money and with a low inventory, they think like uh, they have a better chance of getting it. So you want to disabuse them of that. You want to say, listen, why, why would you go into the used car lot and work directly with the with the salesman rather than have like a fiduciary champion on your side to do battle for you? So we don't we make it seem easy when we should be making it seem hard. And that's why you need us. All right. So that's sort of the we need to like show how hard it is. And the other thing is that I think at this second piece is mostly because agents are just. I don't want to say they're lazy, but they're not good at documenting all the stuff that goes into the work that they do. Like you take a listing. Well, what do you have to do? You got to write up a description. You got to order the photos. You got to maybe order a video or a Matterport. You have to enter all the details into the MLS grid. You have to make sure it's all correct and get it out. You have to order a sign. You got to start the marketing campaign. Just off the top of my head, a bunch of things you have to do. What does the seller know? Oh, we're going to get your home on the market. Like, yep. that's it. That's all we said. We're going to get your home on the yep. market. And then, like, there's 50 things you have to do, none of which do you ever detail to the buyer or the seller as something you did. Or same thing with the buyer. When you're working with a buyer, it's like all the buyer thinks that you're doing is opening the freaking door for them. Like, I don't need a buyer. All they do is open the door and walk me through. Because we we don't really explain that there's a lot of work that goes in to keeping track of, you know, 7,000 pieces of inventory that changes every day in a market and making sure I know what's going on. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into screening these properties. There's a, you know, it may not be a lot of work to show you the house, like to walk around with you. You know, there's the kitchen, there's the living room. That's not, it's not brain surgery to do that. But like the buyer agent stuff, we, there's a million things that happen after the deal gets accepted. Now we got to order inspection. We got to negotiate the inspection. We have to shepherd the deal. We have to negotiate the final transaction. We got to deal with any inspection issues. We have to get the attorneys and the mortgage people working together. We got to get the mortgage to the point of clear to close and all that stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff, none of which do we document or detail for the buyer. All right. So the point is real estate agents are like ducks gliding across the water. You see the duck, look at that graceful duck. Meanwhile, the duck's legs are going like this. Go, you can't see me, but the legs, duck's legs are going, paddling furiously, trying to get them across the water, but you don't see the paddling. You just see the gliding. And for some reason, real estate agents love to make it look easy. I'm not going to show a sweat. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to make it look good. But they should be making it look hard. So just to give you an idea and a, and a, and a very subtle plug is I'm working right now with, I invested in and I'm working with a startup. And the startup's goal is to build an app that basically helps you track as an agent 
all the work you do for your clients, both as a way of alerting them to the work that you do, but also tracking the work you do. And thereby at the end of a transaction, you could just go tap, 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 and it would send to them, you know, here's all the things I did on your transaction. And then on top of that, Bill, I think what we need is we need to be prepared for alternate payment models. Like it might be that the buy side commission goes away. What's it get replaced by? A la carte pricing. You, you pay me per showing. You pay me per hour. You pay me per this. You pay me per that. You know, um, you know, we become like the the landlord in uh, in Les Miserables. You know, we uh, this much for the the lice, this much for the mice, uh, extra for the for the door. You know, all that stuff. Like we just start <laughs> charging for the stuff we actually do. Like that to me is the future. The future is that we have to be ready, not just that we have agreements in place to protect our right to a commission if we work with the buy side, but we also have to be ready to be able to justify to the buy side why we deserve to get paid. Because we do. I mean, we do. There's a lot that buyer agents do that they should get paid for. Wow. Joe, thank you for the podcast that I talked the least on ever in the history of the real estate sessions. <laughs> this you get me was, rolling uh, on this, Bill. You get me this stuff I get very I, excited about. I kind of knew this would happen. You know that. I kind of knew that you'd, you'd you'd be very passionate about this topic. Um and look, I I'm I'm gonna do this because I do it every time we talk. This kind of passion went into two really good books. <laughs> now one of them I, I'll just call the triple D book because I, I, I always screw up the order of the words. So that book is called disruptors, discounters and doubters. Yeah, correct. And the other one is how to, how to be a great real estate agent, which is just fantastic. So uh, I always plug those books for you, Joe, because I've read them both. I've um, I promote them to new agents and experienced agents all the time. I think it's a uh, uh, fantastic what you're doing in the industry, dude, uh, the wonderful, wonderful episode. Thank you for, sharing your thoughts, being so open, honest, passionate. It's just been great. I I appreciate you having me on. And the only thing I'll add is we never even got to the clear cooperation problem. But <laughs> the time, because that is a yeah. whole other mess that NAR created for itself. Another thing I think is well-intentioned and good, because you know how much I hate pocket listings and how uh, bad I think they are for everybody except for the listing agent who wants to double-sided deal. I think it's the biggest fraud in the industry. The pocket listing is the biggest fraud Bill, biggest fraud we, in the industry. We have an episode. We have an episode of that in ranting and raving. So I'll we put that link below that. as well. Yeah, but but I'm going to take you up on that. I'll I'll, I'll yeah, reach back out to you. Time you have things to do. We can't so do, do you. our podcast. <laughs> I have nothing to do, Bill. I'm just going to take a nap after we're done. Um, yeah, but thank you for having me on, Bill. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, I love your show. I've always loved your show. Um, and I, I wish you all luck and, and continue good luck with rate my agent. Cause I know that's been really successful going across the country. I know you work on that and that's your full-time job. And so yeah. congrats on that. Thanks, Joe. I really appreciate you having here. All right, buddy. Be well. Thank you for listening to the real estate sessions. Please head over to rate this forward slash RE sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the real estate sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. 